things that you've had to face that you have never had to face before. And, um, you know, I'm sure that you've probably, I remember when my mom was going through cancer, was uh, diagnosed with cancer, that, um, you know, I was really struggling, trying to sort out where's God in the midst of all of this. Um, when difficult things come against our life, uh, when my daughter was in her bike wreck, and, uh, or when my one daughter turned, basically turned her back on God. And uh, it really, it really uh, tore me up. I mean, it tore her mom and I up, um, you know, and I could go on and on. And I'm sure you've got a list and I've got a list and we could all talk about our list. But you do wonder at times, you know, why when we're standing on the word and I'm a man that stands on the word and uh, have stood on the word for over 40 years and um, believing God for miracles for my kids, making declarations, praying. Um, declaring his word over my health, declaring his word over my marriage, declaring his word over finances. So why don't we see things sometimes happening and what, what, where is God in the midst of all of that? And so I, in the, this last week, I've spent some time just really praying and talking to the Lord about, not because I'm questioning God, because I'm not questioning God. Because um, I have no doubt that God is who he says he is. God does what he says he does. And God uh, you know, God, God is, he's a good God. Amen. But you do have those, anybody else ever have those conflicts? You're just wondering what is going on. And so a couple of passages I wanted to read, passages I wanted to read to you this morning. And this is out of Luke chapter 12 in verses six through seven. Jesus made this statement. He said, are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Not one, not one. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So God must know about even the hairs we lost, right? You know, I, I know that some of us are showing the signs of losing hair, but you do realize we all lose hair, right? Your brush has hair in it. You find hair in the tub. You find so, but he numbers all those. He knows that it means, I mean, you've got to be kidding me. My hair means that much to God. But it says it right there. He numbers the very head, the, the head of your, on your, the hair on your head, excuse me. Do not fear, therefore, for he says, he goes on and he says, listen, do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many, many sparrows. Now, in Psalm 56 and verse 8, and I thought this was such an interesting um, passage. I wanted to read this today because I, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but this is 56 verse 8. It says, God, you number my wanderings, my travels. You put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? You put my tears. And if you do a study on this, you find that the Jewish people valued tears. They actually bottled up their tears. They would save their tears and, and uh, you know, at mourning because of, they saw them as of great value because it was the the sorrow and the difficulty of what they were dealing with. And I think what God is saying to us in this passage is he's saying, look, all your tears matter to me. I had a deal this last, uh, it was Wednesday, I was really spending some time in prayer uh, for my kids. And I happened to, because I was having some issues, I was on some steroids, so I'm not real sure if it was the steroids were causing hormonal issues or what was going on. But I don't know if you've ever had one of those times where you just started crying and you couldn't stop. And I mean, it was like, I, I'm so glad Sharon wasn't in the room. You know, I'm a dude, so I don't want, I'm like by myself, I'm in the kitchen, I'm making my breakfast, 
all of a sudden, like, I am overwhelmed. I'm thinking, this is either the Holy Ghost or hormones. I don't know which one it is. But tears, just because I was praying and for my kids and just praying for their, you know, for the challenges that they're facing in their life and for the decisions that they're making in their life. Praying over my grandchildren and just this overwhelming presence of something. I'll just say it was the Holy Spirit, but, but tears began to flow. And I started thinking about how that every one of those tears, those are things that matter to God. They matter to God. The Message Bible says it like this. You keep track of my every toss and turn through the sleepless nights. Anybody had any of those? Each tear entered your ledger. So God keeps track of all those tears. Each ache is written in your book. Each ache is written in your book. Psalm 56 verses 9 through 11 in the New King James says this after he talks about you keep my tears in your bottle, God, or keep the ledger. He said, when I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. In God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust and I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? So sometimes it does happen to us, and I, I, don't, I wouldn't be a good pastor if I just ignored this, that there are times that we wonder if our Christianity really is working. Is this really producing? Is, does faith work? Does it produce what it says it does? And, uh, and uh, you know, as we're, as we're standing. Why doesn't God always answer our prayers right when we think they should be answered, even though he said he would answer them, that he responds? He's not like sitting in heaven going, well, I'm going to wait for a while and answer that prayer. God answers. He responds. And then that question that comes to us is, does God really even, does God really even care? And Sharon and I, we were talking the other day about this. You know, sometimes I think we get a little nervous talking like that because we're like, well, I'm doubting God. Well, look, if you feel that way, you've got to deal with your doubts. You can't just ignore your doubts. You can't just push those away because they are real and they do need answers. So the answer, obviously, that if we read these passages correctly, is, yeah, God cares. God really cares about us. God really cares about helping us. God really cares about every tear, every ache, every pain. He cares about all of that that we go through, those sleepless nights. If you've ever had those where you just tossed and turned and didn't feel well, or, you know, I just had, um, we just were talking to a, a, a friend of ours who was sharing with us about um, how that in their church, a big church, how that they lost their outreach coordinator to COVID. Just all of a sudden, one of their uh, directors uh, in their ministry I told his wife, said that um, I'm not feeling well. I've been diagnosed with COVID. I've got lots of points at the hotel. I'll just go there, protect you and the kids. I'll call you tomorrow. He never called. He died at the hotel. I mean, it, it took him out that quick. And, you know, so these are real things that we're dealing with in our world, right? We all know about all of these kinds of things that are happening. It's like the one uh, uh, in my former church uh, in Marietta. They've had several people that have passed away from COVID. And we were talking to one of the members there, Sharon and I were, just to, to encourage them. And they were like, we need answers. And I think sometimes we all feel that way, like, where is God? I need answers to what's going on right now. I need God to tell me, where are you? Are you there? And at the real heart of our question, I think, is, is does God care? Does, is God really care about us? And I love what Jesus said. Jesus said, look, I will not leave you orphans. I'm not leaving you alone in all of this. 
But I'll tell you what, sometimes life tries to make you feel like you're all alone, right? It can definitely work and try to make us feel like God doesn't care. You know, when Jesus came and he was preaching to his disciples, he said, guys, I want you to know I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's who I am. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I find it interesting that when Jesus talked to his disciples and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that the number one thing that disciples became known for was not the people of the truth, but the people of the way. The people of the way. Listen to this. This is out of Acts 9-2. And he asked letters from him to the synagogue of Damascus, Paul did, so that if he found any who were of the way whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Acts 19.9. But some, when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And about that time, there arose a great commotion in Acts 19.23 about the way about the way. Isn't that interesting? That when they talked about, now we recognize today we're called Christians. We're not really called people of the way. But remember, they weren't called Christians till much later on in the book of Acts. They were called people of the way. And the reason they're called people of the way, not just people of the truth, because their actions, the way that they lived, the way that they lived is what people recognized in their life. You know, anybody could talk about what they believe, and that doesn't make any difference if your way doesn't line up with it. Sharon talked about cognitive dissonance. That's when you believe a truth, but your way isn't lining up with it. And so what happens is, is that what we, and what we want to be careful of in our, in our belief system, in our development of our belief system, is, is that we're not declaring a truth that we don't really live in our lives, that we're not, that's not how we're practicing so what we want to recognize that Jesus is saying to us that, look, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We are to receive the truth of Jesus. We are to walk in the ways of Jesus, and we are to manifest the life of Jesus to the world. The goal of Jesus was not just to give us right theology. I think sometimes we as Christians think that's what we're really here to do is to have the best theology that we can have, the best belief system, basically. But the truth is, is that people were not known by what they believed. They were known for what they did, what they did. You say, well, pastor, how does that all tie in with how God cares? Because I think what's happening is, and I think the pressure that you are dealing with in your life and that the church and the, is dealing with in the world is that the, these things are trying to change our ways. And we need to make sure in our lives that we are practicing the presence. Carrie talked about this earlier, that we are practicing what we really believe in our lives. That it's more than just a truth that we hold to, but it is a practice, a way that we live in our life. Finding real joy in life only comes from turning, I talked about this last week, our wise into what? Remember that? Last Sunday I talked to you about how that See, what happens is, is that we get into this place like this person we were talking to. We need real answers for what's going on. Why are people dying? Why are people sick? Why isn't it happening the way? And, you know, look, there's a lot of anger, and, and rightly so, because if we live our lives in the why, we are going to be angry. 
We're going to get angry. We're going to get real angry because the truth is we never really find all the answers to all our whys. Jesus did not come into our lives so that he could give us an answer to all our whys. He came into our lives to give us a way. And a way is the what. A way is the what do I do? How do I live? How do I conduct myself? How do I carry out what, I, what I'm supposed to do. And that's what Jesus really was about. And that's how the disciples were known. Remember, Jesus said, everybody will know you're my disciples because of the love that you have for one another, because you live this way. It becomes, rec I wonder at times if people recognize, not that we go to church, because that's, a, look, that doesn't get it. Not that we're a part of a church, not that we give money to a church, not that we even sing songs in a church, but how do we love one another? Do we love one another? Do we encourage one another? You know, it's easy today, you know, to, to judge one another. It's easy to do that. It's easy to look at what someone else is doing or how someone else responded or how someone else, what they decided to do and to stand back in judgment and say they're doing it wrong. But look, you're not them, you're not living their life, you're living your life. And we're here to support the ways of Christ, and that is to love others that are around us. So when I talk about this idea of get in the game, I think this is what's happening is, is, is I think God's people are got to be careful or you're going to get out of the game. Because there's a game going on, all right? And we actually are winning. We're winning. In fact, let me tell you, it's already been predicted that we win the national title. We win it all. We win it all. We get the crown. We win everything. The enemy, our adversary is already, all those adversaries across from us are already defeated <coughs> through our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's already predicted. We're in, a, we're in a game we already win, but we still got to play the game. We still got to be in the game. We still got to do our part in the game. Because here's what, here's what I think the Bible teaches us about this. That look, we're going to win the game, but in the end, we're going to be accountable for did we play the game. Because see, if we start bailing on the game because we got offended, you know, offense is the doorway to deceit. It always is. You get offended at God, you get offended at people, it'll take you out. I've seen it take people right out of our church here. I've seen it bust up good friendships. I've seen it tear apart marriages. I've seen it ruin relationships. Uh, I've seen it actually ruin churches. Offense, because somebody got offended about something that someone didn't meet a need in their life or didn't appear to care or what was going on, that, that all of a sudden it broke things up. And they got out of the game. They got out of the game. See, you have talents and abilities and gifts that God has put into your life that nobody else in the room has, not quite like yours. And when we pull from the game, when we just sideline ourselves, say, I'm out, I don't want to be a part of that, I don't want to be in that, I don't want to do that anymore, here's what begins to happen. We move from what we're supposed to do to why things are not happening the way we thought they should. See, when you're in the game, you're more focused on what's going on around you and who you can help. When you're focused on why, you're more focused on you and what you need. Any of you ever read the book Tuesdays with Maury? Anybody ever read that book? That's a great book, okay? 
uh, Tuesdays with Maury. They made a movie about it. It was really awesome. But Maury was diagnosed with ALS. And, uh, and so every day his body was deteriorating. And they did, this sports writer from Detroit actually did an interview. It was a student of his that actually um, had disconnected for, from him for, I think, 16 years. But he actually reconnected with him when he found out that Maury had ALS. And so he went to see him. And he asked him one day, he said, Maury, he said, uh, what, uh, how do you do it? How do you get up every day? How do you keep going? No, he said, every day my body is getting weaker. Every day my body is not doing what it's supposed to do. Every day, he says, I wake up in the morning. Sometimes he didn't even sleep at night. And he says, I wake up in the morning and I, I lay there in bed. And he said, I cry. And then I get angry. And then I get frustrated. And then he said, I stop. And he said, I start thinking about all the people that I can help today, all the people that I can influence today. And he said, uh, people will come and see me. And when they come to, my, when they come to see me at my house, they'll, they'll come to talk to me. And they're trying to do all the stuff that we do with people that we know are dying. You know, they try to tell jokes and make things lighter and make them happier and, you know, make it a much more better environment. He said, but when they come in the room, instead of, They'll ask me how I'm doing, and I'll tell them, well, you know, I'm fighting this. This is killing me, and, you know. But he said, but then I'll ask them how they're doing. And he said, and all of a sudden, these people who, who they're all focused outward, I'll start talking to them about what's going on in their life. And they'll start telling me about my marriage is falling apart. Or they'll start telling me about how that, you know, that they haven't been feeling well. Or they'll tell me about they're struggling financially or whatever the struggle is that they're going through. And he said, and so I'll talk with them and I'll listen to them and I'll care about them. And he says, what happens is I forget all about my problems when I'm helping them with their problems. That's how you turn a why into a what. That's how you turn a why into a what. You know, you have to ask yourself the question where you're at right now in your spiritual walk with the Lord is are you in the game? Are you in the game? Or are you allowing what's going on in life to pull you from the game? The what's and the why's, the what's are the ways of Jesus which will manifest his life to the world. You know, whether we want to accept it or not, God is counting on us to change the world. We're counting on God, but God is counting on us to change the world. We are the influencers. We are the ones that should stand strong, not be cowering in a corner and hiding away. And so how do you and I, how do we, how do we become strong in the midst of all of this? How do we face those challenges that we're facing in life? How do we get back in the game? How do we get back if we've allowed that to overwhelm us? Well, one is recognize God cares about what's going on in your life. He already made that clear. You're more important than sparrows. You're more important than the hairs of your head. You're more important than anything in this. God loves you so much. He loves you so much. You know, I love this story about Lazarus's sisters because Lazarus is, when Lazarus died, the first thing, it sounds like so many Christians, the first thing they said to Jesus when he showed up is, if you had been here, we wouldn't have these problems. Where were you? Why weren't you here when we needed you? 
And you know, Jesus, of course, he never did answer them. He never answered. You know, see, that's the thing about God. And I, I, and I know we want God to answer all our whys in our life, but God is God. He does not have to answer our whys in life. But what God does expect from us is to do what he said to do. To do what he said to do. So the first thing we have to recognize is God cares. He really does care about what's going on in your life. And he cares so much that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ. You know, no matter how much this life tries to make you think this is all there is to life, this is not all there is to life. Because this is just part of your life. Amen. In fact, can I say it like this? This is the worst part of your life. Because when this life is over, everything gets a whole lot better. And in fact, and I'm not, I'm, look, I'm not trying to say that we can't live in victory because you know me, I believe we live in victory in Jesus Christ. Every day I expect to live in victory. Every day. Every day. I am not letting life circumstances win over me. I'm not letting anything, you know, that says, I mean, we like to, when we quote this out of Romans, we like to quote all the good things, neither life but remember, it says, nor death, okay? So even death doesn't stop us from being more than a conqueror through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Poverty, lack, suffering, all those difficulties and challenges. We are more than overcomers through our Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us, and it says, gave himself for us. So God has already proven that he cares about us. Number two, the way that you and I, we know that we're going to be how we get out of this and get back in the game is we deeply lean into the Holy Spirit. I think a lot of believers really have to, at this point in their lives, really focus on that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to help us. To help us. And when we are so focused on the carnal, we tend to miss the supernatural. When we're so focused on the natural things that we want answers for, instead of on the supernatural where the Spirit is, that we miss out what God is trying to say. Jesus made this statement in John 14, 18. He said this in the King James Version, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I will come to you. See, that's what happens when we allow the Holy Spirit to begin to work in our lives and begin to help us. He gets us back in the game and turns our, turns our wise into what's. You know, Mona, we've shared her story a couple weeks ago. God turned her wise into a what? She's doing ministry. Some of you here today, your wise turned into what's because you found people that needed help, that you could help, that you could reach out to. And uh, I remember years ago, I was at a, uh, I'll close with this, but I was going to St. Louis prison and, and man, I, I was going in to preach and I mean, I had a whale of a sermon. I mean, I had a whale of a sermon. And I mean, I was going in there to because I was going to save these heathen, drunk, thieves, liars, murderers who deserve to be in prison. That's what I was thinking when I went in there. And I got in that room, you know, and I'm standing there and I got my little sermon out and I'm ready to go and I'm getting ready to preach. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said these words to me. He said, you know, son, he said, uh, I just want to remind you about something. Now, this is the Holy Spirit. This is how the Holy Spirit will talk to you. He said, you know that you've done enough stuff in your life, you could be right here with these guys. You just didn't get caught. And I was like, well, what, well, what do you mean? He said, you know what I mean. 
You know, God doesn't mince words. You're going to mess around with him. He ain't going to mess around with you. He's going to tell you the truth. He said, you know what? He said, I want, do you want me to start going through some of the stuff you've done? I said, no, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Right? He said, look, you've done all this stuff. He said, you could be right here. So when you talk to these guys today, I don't want you to talk to them like you're better than them. I want you to talk to them like you're one of them that I have rescued out of where you were. I'll tell you, that changes your whole dynamic of the way. And I mean, I got up and I told the guys, I said, look, I'm just going to tell you right up front, guys, I've done enough crimes in my life. I could be here with you today. I just never got caught. You could just feel like in the room, like a, a sigh of relief. This is one of us. But then you begin to show them the love that God has. See, that's where God takes us in our life, in our lives, and He takes us from this why place to this what place, gets us back in the game and says, Look, make a difference in somebody's life. And you can make it, I'm not going to ask you to do something you don't know how to do. I'm going to ask you to do something you do know how to do. Folks say, Well, if I say, God, get me in the game, is He going to send me to Africa to be a missionary? Not if you're not already reaching your neighbor. He's not going to go ask you to do, he's a faithful God, which means that he's faith, wants you to be faithful in a little before he's going to ask you to be faithful in a lot. So if you can't do what you need to with what you've got, he, with what he's given you already, he's not going to ask, give you a whole bunch more and say, well, let's see if you'll do more if I give you more. Because you won't. Because you won't. No, he's going to take what you are and he's going to use what you are. And that's where the work of the Holy Spirit comes in. I mean, I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you really taken time to ask the Holy Spirit to talk to you, to show you, to guide you? That's what Jesus said. He would lead us into all truth. Have you really taken a step back and said, Lord, in the midst of all of this, what are you saying to me? Not to the church, not to the politician. What are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? And this morning, what I'd like to do, if you'd let me, um, is I'd like to lay hands on you in agreement that you will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask you, I know it's kind of a weird way to finish the service this morning, but um, we normal have, normally have ways that we do things. But, but if you would like prayer, I mean, if you today just really, you need to really tap in to what the Holy Spirit is saying. I believe that there, I believe there's power in getting people that are tapped in laying hands on you and praying over you. Amen? And I would love to pray with you this morning. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand if you would. It's time to get in the game. Amen. One, you're going to be accountable for whether you're in the game or not. Now, if you're injured, let's get you healed and get you back in the game. Amen? Let's get you back in the game. But if you're offended, let's get you back in the game and get you past your offense. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Because it doesn't matter what your pastor says to you. What it matters is what does the Holy Spirit say to you? What is he saying to you? And so very simply, I'm going to ask if you want prayer, just come up and line up in the front if you would. If you'd like prayer this morning, I want you to come. Amen. Thank you, Father.